Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. So the NATO meeting seems to have produced the Biden NATO meeting with respect to the Russian war in Ukraine seems to have produced some kind of let up in the Biden war against fossil fuels, the Biden jihad against fossil fuels, which is stretched across the U.S. government, FERC, Interior Department, Energy Department, EPA, SEC, perhaps even the Federal Reserve. I don't know if I buy that. Uh, I think that they're trying to put some extra LNG exports into Europe. I guess that's a good thing. But um, we had on the Fox Business show, uh, Mike Summers, the head of the American Petroleum Institute, they are not convinced that anything's really changed. The American greenies uh, are up in arms against any let up whatsoever, any new permits that would permit either pipelines or additional drilling. We will have to see how that turns out. But one thing's for sure, uh, the jihad is extended throughout the U.S. government. And I want to bring in my friend John Cochran, uh, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. His great blog is called The Grumpy Economist, and he has written at some length about the SEC climate update. First of all, John, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure to talk to you and your and your great listeners. Well, listen, so we've got the... Uh, the SEC takes on climate. Um, I had Hester Peirce on the TV show, and she's, she said, we're, we're not the Securities and Environment Commission. We're the Securities... Isn't she great? I know, she's really great. We're the Securities Exchange Commission. And she wrote a really brilliant, lengthy dissent uh, on this. But why don't you walk us through, because, you know, this is a financial clamps on uh, fossil fuels, which... Um, which I think really goes beyond, John, you know, it, it may go beyond reason, but it goes beyond their mandate, their legal congressional mandate. They're not here to regulate climate. They're here to regulate investment. Well, they're not even here to regulate investment. <laughs> they're here to, uh, to regulate disclosures. Yes. To make sure that uh, companies don't hide things they're they're not supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be telling you where to invest your money. And uh, I think one of the biggest uh, changes is they are telling you where to invest your money and telling companies what they must do with your money, how they must run their operations, and all that sort of thing. It's it's not it's it's more it's a it's a program of financial sanctions. Really, we we are doing to our fossil fuel industry what we are trying to do to the Russians. Uh, to <laughs> deny them. To deny them the access to financial markets, to borrow money, to, to, to be able to develop fossil fuels. It's a whole-of-government plan <clears throat> involving all the financial regulators, and they're doing it because if you try to get that through Congress, us peasants with, with pitchforks will notice and cause a huge, much, a huge amount of trouble about it. So turn off fossil fuels before the alternatives are available and do it through financial regulation. It's a small part of this larger effort that is still ongoing 
despite uh, the Ukraine uh, war telling us loud and clear that what a terrible idea it was. You know, John, one, one of the issues is, I, and you, you just referred to it, and, and Hester Peirce, the SEC commissioner who descended, referred to it also. And that is, uh, this rule from the SEC essentially kind of tells them how to run their companies. And that's really a giant step uh, away from what the SEC's mission has been. That's exactly right. Um, among other things, so to be a little bit precise, it uh, requires companies to uh, calculate their carbon emissions and the carbon emissions of all their suppliers and the carbon emissions of all their customers and to establish plans about how they're going to reduce their carbon emissions and then, of course, make them legally liable. These are all made-up numbers, but you can tell what it's all about. How are they going to get these? There's no regularly accepted data. There's no, there's no history of empirics here. I mean, SEC supposedly regulates what is disclosed by these companies and for accuracy, okay? Um, you know, credibility, believability. But this has never been done before. And there's, there's no body of literature, there's no body of numbers that would make this real. Well, I think it's a full employment act for uh, consultants and lawyers to uh, come in and make up numbers <laughs> that will keep the SEC right. happy right. and that can uh, establish. And, of course, if uh, the numbers that you put down instantly, you're going to get sued in court by a whole bunch of uh, in environmental legal uh, companies. So you have to uh, come up with numbers that will please the SEC. Now, there might there might be – I'll, I'll try to be a little optimistic. There's, there is one useful thing that can come out of this. There's a lot of greenwashing going on companies making pledges about how we're all perfect and wonderful for the environment, the net zero. Well, if you have to write it down and if you can be sued for uh, for lying about it, companies might be a little bit more honest about the things that they tell us in public. But that's my one ray of light in this whole affair for you today. But John, how, how, do, they, how do they know? They have no control over what their suppliers do. How do they know? And how do they know what consumers will do? That's the, in other words, this upstream downstream stuff, which appears in other attacks on fossil fuels by other agencies. The whole the whole issue, the social cost of carbon, John. I mean, looking backwards and forwards for centuries. I, I don't understand how anybody could possibly know that. Well, it's hard enough to know your own uh, carbon emissions. Right. Uh, and and it guarantees triple counting. <laughs> If uh, I have to uh, disclose my carbon emissions from burning gas and the oil company has to disclose my carbon emissions from selling me the gas, we've already counted it twice. But let's, let's get the serious issue is what is the Securities and Exchange Commission doing, commanding companies to make a new calculation of carbon emissions and then disclose it? Companies have no idea. Disclosure is supposed to be about tell us stuff you already know, not make up some new numbers. And where in its job is to protect us, the investor, from fraud in financial markets. How in the world is uh, com coming up with phony baloney numbers about carbon emissions protecting us, the investor, from fraud in financial markets? It's just way beyond the idea of, of what you know, you're bending to another use, uh, this whole regulatory apparatus. Trial lawyers are going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, they're going to love this. And judges are going to hate this, but it's going to. It's well, going to... It's, it's like much of our law. Uh, um, big, loose rules um, are an invitation to come sue and get enormous settlements. 
So we'll see if we even have a lot of trials. And I hope we do. Uh, you know, this, I'm sure, will soon be sued, and it will take its way to the Supreme Court, who will say, what the heck are you doing? Mm. Uh, but that takes uh, 10 years and a lot of mischief along the way, and I think they're happy to go with it. And it's part of a, a larger strategy. It's not just the SEC. Uh, the Fed is going uh, all in for this sort of thing, and we're behind the rest of the world. Europe has already used the legal and regulatory system to stymie their uh, fossil fuels. There's a lot of the reason they're in trouble is there's no fracking in Europe. Uh, they're closing down their nuclear plants for, for exactly the same sorts of reasons. So shouldn't we learn a lesson from that? <laughs> well, you and I sort of think so that these lessons are sitting there lying on the sidewalk, don't we? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact. I mean, that this is part of the war against fossil fuels. So talk about the war against fossil fuels. What is going to replace fossil fuels in their entirety, John Cochran? Well, <laughs> what should or what is going to? I think this plan is nothing. <laughs> the plan is in Europe right now. They're turning, off, uh, they're turning off their Russian fossil fuels, and they're turning on the coal. Uh, now, in fact, the United States has led the world in carbon reductions, and mm-hmm. the reason is because we allowed fracking uh, over sort of the dead bodies of the environmental regulators, and that produced a lot of natural gas, which emits a lot less carbon than coal. In the long run, it's got to be uh, nuclear. That's the only way it's going to go. Uh, solar, wind, all that stuff can help. Um, there's lots of, lots of clean supplies of energy, but you can't do it by turning off the fossil fuels before those things are available. That's the freeze-in-the-dark answer. I mean, that's a that's a hundred-year effort, it would seem to me. And, you know, uh, you know Bjorn Lomborg or his work? He's at Hoover. Uh, or, yeah, he's fantastic. Right. You know, Bjorn talks about growth and innovation as two solutions to carbon emissions. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know about the fracking revolution. I mean, it had been hanging around for a long time, and then it was put to work in the last 20 years uh, developing uh, natural gas. Natural gas was kind of an offshoot. They were looking for oil, and they found all this natural gas. They had so much of it, they didn't know what to do with it. Uh, the price was negative at some part, some points in the, in the um, Permian Basin. But, I mean, why can't we figure out new technologies and innovations and inventions that will make uh, produce fuel and power uh, with lower carbon emissions. I mean, wouldn't that be more sensible? And it doesn't take 100 years. It can take 10 or 20 years. Uh, Look at the history. You know, it's certainly not going to be led by the government. It was only a little while ago that they thought corn, ethanol, and switchgrass was going to be the answer to all our problems. Haven't heard a lot about those lately, have you? Mm. Uh, No. fracking, Fracking and natural gas was entirely a discovery of the private sector. Uh, hobbled at every way from the regulators, banned still in Europe, uh, which would have cut their carbon emissions tremendously. And nuclear power, uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission has not certified a single new nuclear plant since 1975. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) We could start building that kind of stuff really quick right now and get us a lot of of carbon-free energy. I mean, I I know a lot of smart guys who think that – to expand the power base over time, we should have an all all the above strategy. Point number one. But point number two, um, natural gas and nuclear will be the backbones of uh, of our power in the next fifty to hundred years. Natural gas yeah. and nuclear. 
And, you know, the left is starting to notice this. You know, for example, you can't get permits to do anything in the U.S. Even the New York Times has noticed, wait a minute, we can't use hydro, we can't use geothermal, we can't use uh, – because you can't put in the transmission lines. You know, you need to reform the the horrible permitting that stops us from building anything in the U.S. And there's there's more, you know, residential zoning. You never think of that as a power thing. But if you let people build houses near or where they work, they don't have to commute so, commute so much. Hmm. Have you followed this just the last 24, 48 hours, um, this joint task force inside NATO where, you know, the United States is going to provide, I guess, initially 15 billion cubic meters of LNG to Europe. But it's not at all clear that the U.S. regulators are going to you know, permit a real push into uh, natural gas uh exactly you need you know you need the infrastructure you need to have built have allowed to be built <laughs> the ports where natural get liquefied natural gas can go and it would be a lot easier if europe had allowed their own frackers to develop their own natural gas industry and just dig it out of the ground so the, these are, are are good signs of sanity uh, slowly uh, awakening. But don't count on this to help fight the war against Russia in the next three weeks or get through this cold winter in, in Europe. Those mm. those kind of big structural changes take a couple of years. Uh, but at least let's let's be optimistic uh, <laughs> that the signs of change are coming. Uh, people do see the need for natural gas in the medium term uh, to, 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 uh, to get through this, uh, the, this transition period. Do you, John, do you think FERC will will modify or pull back because their initial proposed rule would have ended pipelines forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is uh, a little bit um, the, the Biden administration's first act was to ban the Keystone Pipeline. And, and now we're going to Venezuela, Iran, and uh, assorted people to ask them to turn on the taps, and Saudi Arabia to ask them to turn on the taps, kind of sad. Uh, they seem to be starting uh, to step back and, and think twice about their rules against uh, all, all pipelines and all oil and gas development. You know, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, we, we tend to change the news cycle fairly soon. And so right. once the hot part of the war is over, let, let's hope that the sanity stays with us. Uh, John, stay with me. I've got to take a quick break. I want to come back on the other side and talk to you about inflation and the Federal Reserve's All actions. Right. Yeah, good stuff. John Cochran is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. His blog is The Grumpy Economist. You've got to read the blog, folks. It's very, very good on target. Uh, I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. We will be right back with uh, Dr. Cochran. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here with John Cochran, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and author of the blog, The Grumpy Economist. He's not really grumpy, folks. He's got a good sense of humor, but he does cut to the heart of a lot of key issues. John, so the Federal Reserve rhetorically in its communications sounds like it's going to be much more aggressive in stopping inflation, even even confessing to their sins of allowing inflation to get out of the box in the first place. It wasn't temporary or transitory. It looks pretty permanent to me. And then they go ahead and raise the Fed funds rate by one quarter of one percentage point with an 8% CPI and whatever, a 6% deflate, a PCE deflator, 
and they're still buying bonds and injecting cash into the economy. So, John, you got to help me here. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. I, I, I don't see. I mean, it's going to take a year or two for this to have an impact. I don't see that they really started fighting inflation. No, I guess it's the same as our earlier conversation. A little bit of uh, a little bit of wake up, and but a long way to go. Uh, as you said, if you have eight percent inflation, one uh, percent interest rate is still seven percent into negative territory. Mm. It's not going to do much good on the inflation. Now, the Fed still believes it's all going to go away on its own. Uh, they don't use the word transitory. What are they doing here, guys? Well, they look at the, their forecasts say it's going to go mostly down all on its own, so they won't have to do a whole lot. These are the same forecasts that were wrong dramatically in the past. They don't use the word transitory anymore, but that's still the way they're thinking about it. So they think you know a percent or two is going to be enough. To their credit, you're starting to also hear, well, maybe if it stays bad, we're going to have to do more. So, so listen to more of that in the future. But this is very, very slow to the party. This is slower than even the responses in the 1970s. Uh, so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. The Fed is starting to wake up. Yes, the slumbering giant has opened an eyeball. <laughs> John, what are the chances that it's mostly going to go down on its own? <laughs> well, it's hard to forecast, especially the future, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You and I look at it. As I look at it, I, I don't think uh, it's going to go down on its own uh, by the end of the year. The fundamental force here is, is in my view, the enormous amount of uh, money and, and debt created and showered uh, on the country in the last couple of years. Uh, that's still there. Deficit spending still there. Loose monetary policy is still there. Um, no great news on supply. We're in a war. And kind of the mechanics of inflation are still going on. Uh, it takes a while for higher prices to turn into higher wages. It, uh, as, as, uh, you know, it takes a while for higher house prices to turn into higher rents. So I'm, I'm cautiously betting that we're still going to have uh, inflation at the end of the year. Now, of course, I'm trying to sell a book about inflation, which comes out in the fall. So <laughs> I have a little oh. bit of uh, – <laughs> I have a little bit of a of a, uh, of a reason to hope, but uh, unfortunately for everybody else. Yeah, but you know, I'm they're still buying mortgage-backed bonds. Uh, by some measures, home prices are rising by twenty percent, and they're still buying mortgage-backed bonds. I mean, I I just think that's an outrage. They're still buying treasury bonds, for that matter, which is also outrageous. But mortgages, really? Does that what we need? Does that market need uh, stimulus? <laughs> Uh, well, I think uh, somebody who uh, wants a mortgage and hasn't gotten one yet, uh, but, you know, get it fast because interest rates are not going down, everybody. <laughs> How high do you so think rates are going to have to go? Everybody likes little bit of stimulus and subsidy. No. Uh, now, on the other hand, uh, I don't think that stuff made a whole lot of difference on the way up, so I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference in the other direction. Uh, but the Fed to be buying, to be intervening in any market, you know, we talked about the whole of government energy. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the Fed deciding that mortgages need subsidies, but businesses don't need subsidies? Right. Huh. right. Get out uh, of that market, guys. Right. That's a good point. That's an important point. Um, how, you know, Jay Powell, I guess, talked to the Washington business economists uh, earlier this past week and then did a, a Q&A with reporters and so forth and compared himself to Paul Volcker or said he wanted to be like Paul Volcker. I knew Paul Volcker uh, and and remember the early 80s. Um, Real interest rates were very, very, very high, way above the inflation rate, 
Right now, they're way below the inflation rate. And I thought it was kind of a joke that he was talking about Paul Volcker because there's Fed shows no intent of, of doing the kind of things Volcker did. Uh, and that's, you know, what has kept inflation so low, I think. It, it's sort of like uh, there's a nuclear weapon in the arsenal. Everybody believed that if it should get really bad, the Fed would repeat the 1980s. Uh, I'm not sure there's reason to have that belief. If in, so, folks, think of it for yourself. If inflation gets stays to 8, 9, 10 percent, will the Fed really raise interest rates to hit 15, 20 percent in the 1980s? Leave them there for a couple of years, go yes. through a couple of bruising recessions. Uh, whew, will our Fed do it? Will our Congress let our right. Fed do it? John uh, Cochran. Hard question. John Cochran is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Uh, his blog is called The Grumpy Economist, and he's got a new book out. We learned that this morning. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it very much. Folks, I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, Congressman Lee Zeldin running successfully for governor of New York. He'll come to visit for a little while. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. 